What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Supreme Decisions Legal Minute Podcast, and I am your host, Supreme Decisions. Well, I'm doing a test today because we got in our new pop screens, and you can thank Robin for that. I'm going to put up a picture of them, because there's actually two of them, in the community section, so be on the lookout for that. Today, I want to send a quick shout out to Spotify, and I also want to thank iHeartRadio. There are many others that we're on, such as Apple and a few other the major podcasting platforms. And yeah, I'm actually actually just kind of kind of get everything together because today today I want to talk about something because I had a conversation on last week. And you know what? Let me tell you what the conversation was because we were actually given the ideals where we were kind of being civil. And the young lady, she thought that I was a, I guess, police or anti-police because she listened to a couple of my podcasts and she was like, well, you're always bashing police. And I said, well, no, I'm not a police hater. I'm, I hate bad policing. And she was one of those police apologists. And she was like, well, they're all good guys. You shouldn't take them because there's only a couple of bad apples. That's okay. We're going to use the bad apple scenario. Why aren't people correcting the behavior of these bad apples? And then I gave her a couple of examples of those bad apples that were going after people that were attempting to correct behaviors and some of their actions. She then said, well, these guys are putting their lives on the line and they're trustworthy. And I asked asked a simple question. I'm going to ask you guys that today. What makes them trustworthy? I think that's a fair question, me personally. You know, why should we trust the police? And that's the title of today's podcast. Trust the uniform. Because I often give the analogy of a kid working at McDonald's because that's the easy, because everybody loves McDonald's fries. Don't know what they have in them, but I know we just love them. I even gave the story of a young lady shooting up at McDonald's because her fries were cold. But yet, we're willing to shoot a child with an IQ of 104 or less because they can't make fries correctly. Yet we're supposed to trust someone with that exact same IQ who actually swore to do a duty that they're not doing. We're paying them six figures to do it. And yet the child with the cold fries is held to a higher standard. We should trust the police. Why? Because the badge? Because the uniform? Here's the easier question. What makes them trustworthy? Because I'm pretty sure you guys remember the five cogs of the machine. The people, the police, the prosecutor, defense, and the judges. 
We talk about that. Most police don't know law, not interested in it, and aren't looking to actually qualify anything within law. And anybody that questions them on law, they berate, they name call, and they assault. Even though that's what they are technically there for, law enforcement. And again, I know the police apologists say, well, that's why I shouldn't be trusted. The easy answer is, when have I asked you to do so? Because even whenever I give you Supreme Court cases, I'm giving you the Supreme Court case. If you don't trust my opinion... It's easy. If you don't even want to follow my application, that's cool too. Because I've actually had people argue with me about the Supreme Court case that happened in 1964. They literally want to argue with me about a decision that happened years prior to my birth. They didn't even want to trust the people who made the decision, and then they're upset with the messenger. Explain to me why would I care if they trusted me reading it or not. But here's here's one of the things, too, because this is, again, for the police apologists. Because I heard the president say, you know, when those who liked him and believed everything he said was right and was holding it, like it was it was part of the holy grail. Blind loyalty isn't loyalty. If you're offering every police officer the benefit of the doubt in every situation, you're part of the problem. Because blind loyalty isn't loyalty. Because again, what makes them trustworthy? Why am I trusting him? Even when you're admitting there are some bad apples. When you're saying that it's okay, even though these bad apples are present and they're not following law while enforcing the law, you're part of the problem because blind loyalty isn't loyalty. If you're okay with an officer using stock language, even though they're bad officers, that you admitted that they're there. And they're using this stock language in a report that's not going to be illustrated on a video. You're probably a problem. Because blind loyalty isn't loyalty. Because even in 2021 in June, The Supreme Court rule, unless there is an emergency, exigent circumstances, a police officer must get a warrant to enter a residence. Now, many of us, you know, we've known that because that's not a new decision. Nothing new. But here's the great part. I've given you the outlines for exigent circumstances. So, here's the question. 
Because exigent circumstance, I'm going to give you a definition of that. Circumstances that would cause a reasonable person to believe that entry or other relevant prompt action was necessary to prevent physical harm to the officers or others, the destruction of relevant evidence, and the escape of a suspect or other consequential impartially infractions. I don't know what the hell all that means, but that means it's the unless there was something not available to them. Because most of them will say, oh well, I, I don't let me pat you down. Well, they need a warrant for that. Unless they get permission from you. Because a pat down is the exact same thing as a frisk. And they need a warrant to frisk you because they have to be able to point to the dangerous area. Most of them, when they move you more than arm's length from your quote-unquote vehicle, unless they have your consent, they need a warrant to do so. Why? Because you're not able to destroy evidence. You're not able to escape. And remember... I gave you the Supreme Court case that stated a police officer needs to go to a magistrate. Why? Because someone with a 104 IQ does not have the wherewithal to determine probable cause. So they need to go to a neutral magistrate to do so unless they have consent from you. But again, wrong number one is the people. We must fight back from that. There's those things called map hearings. When we identify, wait hearings. Because again, we have to push them to force for evidence. Because even when I talked about revoking presumptions, that's the next part. Because not only are we pushing the police for evidence, forcing them to go through the totality of circumstances, we're forcing them to do their job. And I found some out found something that was interesting the other day, and it was I almost cried laughing because the context of the story for me was laughable because it was talking about how police were going to have a difficult time now that they had a ruling of they can't go out on certain calls because they have to do it the right way such as a welfare call. Most people don't understand what that means. That just, mean, just means that a police officer shows up to make sure everything is good. Just like the police officers had the young man in Texas, he was walking in the blizzard in February, 16-year-old child, young man, strapping young man who had just got off work and was trying to get home because it was Cold, the coldest day in Texas history. The coldest day in Texas ever. These officers will simply call and say, hey, young man is walking. He doesn't have a coat on. Officers asked, hey, are you okay? These officers then took it upon themselves to assault this young man because he answered yes and continued on his way, sitting in the cold. 
Now, that's not a big deal because that's just one or two bad apples. Yet five of them showed up. Five of them cooperated. Five of them acted in concert against a 16-year-old young man that was working, not breaking the law. They said it will be difficult to do their jobs now because they can't go out on these types of calls. Where Florida V. Roy said this young man doesn't have to participate in anything, yet he answered them in the affirmative, I'm good, going home. Or the young lady that was in Fort Worth. Her neighbor called and said, hey, trying to make sure this young lady's okay. Her front door is open at 1 a.m. in the morning. Three police officers show up. Her door was open. But yet, they didn't show up to her house. They parked down the street and walked up to her house. They shot her in front of her grandchild through a window. Yet, the caller didn't say that there was a crime being committed. But this woman lost her life because the police moved up in silence on a welfare call. And instead of making sure there was a threat, they shot a woman in her own house through a window because they didn't go through the totality of circumstances. So going on these types of calls are going to be difficult for them. Remember last week, I actually used the term that we're training attack dogs to attack. We have low IQ men and women going out here to execute, and they're not performing lawful actions, yet we're supposed to trust them. Amber Geiger used that as an excuse. I worked 16 hours. That's why I went to the wrong apartment with a key and shot a man that lived in his own home. But we're supposed to understand. Yet, someone else that works 16, 18, 20 hours a day doesn't get the same Understanding. We interrogate five children for 16, 18, 20 hours. That's okay. 14, 15, and 16, they're supposed to have the same wherewithal as a trained professional that's working for 16 hours that's going to use that as an excuse to do wrong. Oh, yeah, and they lied to these children. That was okay. We were okay with that. They jailed these children for 10 plus years. We were okay with that. But Amber Geiger, who took someone's life in their own house because of her excuse, got hugs and sympathy. But we should trust him. We watched a young man in Philadelphia confess to over 400. Yeah, you heard me. 400 stops where he planted drugs on people in three years. 400 stops, three years planting drugs. We watched officers in Roswell flip a coin to arrest a woman. We watched officers in Baltimore beat... (laughs) 
beat suspects to oblivion. We watched, I believe it was Roswell as well. Five Roswell officers drag a 64-year-old woman out the car because she asked. She asked, how do I sign a citation? Because she hadn't gotten a ticket in 64 years. She'd been on this planet, 64 years, lived in Georgia, 64 years, had not gotten a ticket. She asked how to sign it. Five cops drug her out, one resigned. But we're supposed to trust them. We watch an officer go on a welfare call in Arizona. He's killed three people on three welfare calls. Two of them didn't have a weapon. One of them was going through a schizophrenic episode, but we're supposed to trust them. We watched one officer kill kill a young man and work for three years. Like nothing ever happened because it didn't matter. But we're supposed to trust him. We watched We watch a judge release officers from jail in Florida who had planted drugs. But we're supposed to trust them. We watch officers in San Antonio. They lie on their resume. They lied about police stops. They lied about traffic citations. He continued working. And that's Officer Matthew Martin. He resigned instead of facing perjury charges. The Spotsylvania deputy who shot Isaiah Brown, he was just indicted. But here's the, here's the thing. Here's what made this story interesting to me. The Spotsville deputy... Tubbyfield, David Tubbyfield, Turbyfield. I, I, you know what? I don't understand it, but here's the crazier part about this whole whole stop. I'm not sure if, if you remember that I have a conversation about this one. Isaiah Brown was on the phone with 911 because he was arguing with his brother or someone in the home that was keeping his keys from him. He was trying to move his car out of his mother's yard. Well, in the midst of the argument, he said, you know what? I'm going to kill you. The 911 operator said, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't say it. Isaiah said, you know what? No, I don't have any weapons. She said, okay, the police are on the way. He said, well, I'm walking down the street. She said, well, don't really walk down the street. Make sure they can see you. He said, yeah, I'm going to walk somewhere I can be seen. And he's talking. He said, what do you have? I have my house phone. Now, I'm not sure if you've seen a cordless house phone, but it's about the size of a sneaker. David Turbyfield, Turbyfield thought that a sneaker-sized house phone 
was a gun. Now, I'm going I'm going to go to another story. Because I was watching this this section of live PD. I'm actually going to put it up in a video later. Because I actually I uh, it aired maybe in 2019 and I took this clip because I thought it was interesting because I took it whenever the young man was shot in his grandma's backyard by police nine times. Yeah, he wasn't committing. Notice all the people that I'm talking about aren't committing crimes. But we're supposed to trust him. Notice that. I just want you to understand that. Sean Bell sitting in his car going to buy presents for his to-be bride. Not soon, but to-be bride because they were getting, he was getting married in like 16 hours or something. Sitting in his car, he was murdered by police. But we're supposed to trust him. But now let me get back to the story. So... In this live PD episode, there's this young lady. She says, yeah, I saw a gun. Now, here's the thing. The police officers grabbed the guy's cell phone. He said, yeah, I I said, no, I didn't have a gun in my hand. He said, yes, I did threaten her that I would shoot her. Yeah, he said, yeah, I I did threaten her. Okay, I get it. Little road rage. He admitted he had a road rage because, again, he used the Amber guy. I was tired. I've been working for 17 hours. I'm tired. So this motherfucker did something, and I'm mad. Okay, I get it. Cooler heads prevailed because both of them pulled over, waited on the police because, again, somebody's going to shoot me. I'm not pulling over next to them. I just want you to understand that. But these people pull over. She's supposed to be afraid of this man shooting her. Man pulls out a cell phone. Cop holds it as if it is a pistol and says, well, there's no way you can mistake the cell phone for a pistol. No way you can mistake it for a gun. This is a trained professional. They know that. Yet the young man who got shot in his back had a cell phone. There was another young man I spoke about in Pennsylvania. Police officer said he had fired shots at police. Yeah, nobody heard shots. To get the body cam footage, he said that this young man turned around and flared the gun at him. Yeah, the body camera footage didn't show that. This man was running from police. Absolutely. No question about it. He was running. Maybe he didn't trust him. Because the officer shot him in the back three times. And just lo and behold, because remember the stock language was he turned to face him with this gun. That was a stock language. Because there must be imminent danger. And I'm actually going to read off on, on that what imminent means. But in a minute. But here's, here's what, what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to understand. Because I thought it was I thought it was courageous. This cop said he turned around with the gun to shoot him. So he fired. Pow, pow, pow. Now, the body camera footage, young man didn't turn around at all. He turned that corner, officer bent the corner, and fired three shots. Pow, pow, pow. And just so happened, the funniest thing ever, he said he threw, once he got shot the first time, he threw the pistol into the grass, and just conveniently, this officer had a pistol with the, with the serial number filed off of it. 
Body camera footage shows this young, young man hand go limp. You know, the right hand that threw the gun. And what do you know? The light of his cell phone face lit up as he hit the ground. But we're supposed to trust them. We're supposed to believe that they're good people. They're being punished for doing what they're trained to do. Attack dogs off the leash. Now, again, there's only a few bad apples. I'm not sure how many stories we're up to, but I'm pretty sure we're above 20. I want you to understand something. I had a conversation with a young man, and he was okay with a police officer shooting someone in the back. Now, I'm going to give you a Tennessee story. Young man, his, I believe it was his cousin, they get stopped. Get stopped by an officer. That it, to me, again, when I watched the video, it seems as if the officer knew these, this young man. And she said, hey, you don't have a license, do you? He said, no, I ain't got my license. He said, to be real with you, he said, truck ain't registered. I, I, we was working on it. I'll make sure it ran. And while we make sure it ran, I went and got me something to eat. Yeah, it's dirty. Yeah, it's dirty. She said, oh, okay, cool. Don't worry about it. She goes to her car. Well, at the moment, going back to her car, because he gave her his name and his license number. And I believe that he also gave a social security number. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But her partner then comes up on the other side. Now, keep in mind, everybody's cordial. She tells them, hey, go ahead and eat your burgers. I, I get, I'm going to just write you a ticket so you can go home because you could see his house from where they were. He wasn't posing any threat. Technically, he wasn't breaking any laws. It was just truck wasn't registered. So she pulled him open, then didn't have his inch. Information on him. Okay, cool. We're good because nobody's upset. Nobody's acting fidgety or anything. They're eating the burgers. They're sitting there. Now her her partner, he's there agitating. That's all he's doing. He's agitating the situation. He's antagonizing the young man now. So what he does he says something aggressive. You can't really hear it because we have her footage from her dash cam and her bike cam, not her partners. Isn't that funny? We can't hear from the person who actually did something, but we can hear from the person who had control of the scene. Now, while she's in her car, her partner jumps on the side of the Suburban. He places himself in harm's way. Young man who was then pulled over takes off. Don't know exactly what was said, but I do know the system, the situation escalated immediately. The officer then shoots the driver three times and kills him, not the pastor. Officer says, well, he was going to call danger. So I gave them the 10 CV guard and he has to be using something other in the vehicle as a weapon. Oh, no, 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 that's not true. That's not true. Okay, cool. Although that is verbatim 
of the Tennessee v. Gardner decision, the actual decision. The officer can't place himself in danger, something like the Andrew Brown situation. The prosecutor, okay, oh, the police officers did their job properly. Yet he kept saying, police officers came in contact with Mr. Brown's vehicle. Police officers came in contact with Brown's vehicle. And when you actually got the video, because again, once the video came out, nobody said anything. Once the videos were actually released, nobody said anything. Why? Because Andrew Brown didn't drive towards police. Andrew Brown didn't drive at the police. The police ran up to Andrew Brown's car and touched the car. So, yes, the officers did come in contact with the police, yet the officers did come in contact with the car, but it wasn't by an act of Andrew Brown. So when they murdered him, because that's what that is, Andrew Brown wasn't using something other than the car as a weapon. Or in Philadelphia, when a young man was running away from the officer who had just been sworn in 15 minutes prior because he had left his previous job for shooting someone in the back. 15 minutes after being sworn in, he shoots somebody in the back running away. Now, I'm going to read the words eminent because, again, for some reason, most people don't understand or have the context of eminent in the legal definition because what eminent means, you're in eminent danger. You're in danger. The definition on Webster is an adjective. You are about to have something happen to you. Are you about to have something happen to you if someone is running away from you? Sounds like it's de-escalating. Because, again, they have things for that. They have multiple police officers. They also have radios. Because even Medea, Medea understood, well, you cannot run them radios. You can run as fast as you like. You cannot run them radios. It's more than one police unit. It's not the Dukes of Hazzard. You got one more than one share. More than one deputy. But this young man got shot in the back. 15 minutes after this other police officer just got sworn in after losing his job prior to that for shooting someone in the back. Yeah, so again, when we're talking about that, the context of it is understanding. Understanding. Why are we trusting them? What is it that we trust? Because here's the next part of that, because they used... Similar language. Hold on, let me let me go back because I, I, I want you to understand something. Because even in Latin, remember I told you, Latin moves the court. Eminent means upon, towards. Danger is upon you. That's the legal term for it. Danger isn't upon you if it's leaving from you. Towards. Danger is not towards you if it's going away from you. So to use the word imminent in a legal context, upon, towards, if it's going away, 
you can't use deadly force because it is no longer imminent. But there's only a few bad apples, but we should trust them. Why? Because of the badge? Because of the uniform? Because blind loyalty isn't loyalty. So whenever I'm asking these questions, it isn't just for shits and giggles or ideologies or context. It's because I want you to think. Because trust is earned and easily lost. I'm going to give you another another situation because here's the thing. I, I was having a having a, having a con. I guess you can call it a conversation. It was a let's call it elevated emotional conversation. It was funny because this young lady goes, "Well, I'm going to call the police." I was like, "But you're not calling no cop to my house." That's not what we do. And then I told him, "Say here's here's a, here's a tee." I said, "Matter of fact." You can go ahead and never bother me ever again in life. And she looks at me and she goes, well, what does that mean? I said, one, here's the problem. One, I'm a grown-ass man. The fact I got to tell you that is surprising to me because I'm 6'4", damn near 300 pounds. Okay, cool. The fact that you think someone can come into my house and give me instructions, you crazy as hell. That's one. Two, to think that a servant can come to me and give me instructions. You are crazy as hell. Even to believe that some other grown person can come in my house and inform me of what I can and can't do. You are crazy as hell. Because again, you remember this servant can't even determine what probable cause is. This servant can't search me unless... They get permission from either me or a judge. The servant can't even give me orders. Because if you're giving me instructions, go there, sit down, move here, move there, or you're putting me in handcuffs prior to going through the totality of circumstances which they love to do, because walking up to someone on hearsay is illegal. And for those of you that didn't understand what I just said, go watch He Said, She Said, because these are the context of the things that I give you. So understand, that's what I'm going to leave you with today. Because trust is earned, it's easily lost. But if you're giving everyone the benefit of the doubt without knowledge of every situation. Because again, a smart person looks at the situation. They get as much information as they can about that particular incident. And then they make a decision. That's what a smart person does. Because there's even been times I've even told the police, you know what? I have to give you the benefit of the doubt because you did it by the book. My arrest my arresting officer in my RICO trial, this young man did everything by the book. I had to commend him. Because this young man understand the only person that can execute a warrant is a sheriff. He, he held the warrant up in his hand, standing in the street. He did not knock on my door. He blew the horn, which was, you know, I, I get it because you can't. Either way, 
When I walked out the door, he held it up. He said, I am not a sheriff. I then gave him permission to come for me because I knew what he was there for. He then handed me the warrant like he's supposed to, not like them cops in Chicago. Oop, I just gave you some more. He handed me the warrant. He allowed me to read it. He did not escalate any part of it. He did not raise his voice. He actually controlled the people that was around him. He did not fingerprint me once we got to the jail. He only transported me and verified the actual warrant once we were in motion. He did it like he was supposed to. So do I condemn this young man? Absolutely not. Because this young man came to my trial. He wasn't able to speak. Why? Because when he seen me, he had the biggest smile on his face and he came and hugged me. But again, I'm supposed to be anti-cop. I'm supposed to be anti-police. But he understood the situation. Why? Because we were able to have a conversation. Because he had an opportunity to grow better. Because he understood everybody he comes in contact with isn't a criminal. Just because I was charged, that did not make me guilty. I'm going to say that one more time. Just because there was an accusation didn't mean I was guilty. He understood that. And yes, that is a good cop. You remember I told you about good cops? This young man rode by himself. I trust him. Everybody else pays cash. I love you.